check out our conspiracy generator. So we created this like. Oh my god! Because what oh my we god! Okay, show... like I'm gonna cut this out and put it at the beginning. Conspiracy okay. generator. I love. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Because there's a few ingredients that you need for a conspiracy theory to create one, and you need protagonists. So who did it? An action. You know what did they do? And a motive. Why did they do it? So basically, if you search conspiracy generator Kent, I believe that you would find it on Google first link. And there you can just, it just, it just gives you a random conspiracy theory popped up from a database of, of different protagonists, different actions and different motives. So you can go ahead and, and create like your own conspiracy clue. theory. Colonel Mustard in the library yeah. with the candlestick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar. Yeah. The text, the options that we have in there, they, they will randomly generate and it, you'll just find some bizarre conspiracy theories that have just been made up but it's just to kind of show like how easy it is to create a conspiracy theory you know because there tends to be just lots of conspiracy theories that are coming out especially because of COVID-19 that really increased all different types of conspiracy theories have a little go on that and you can have some fun there and you can learn more about the research project that I've been on as well so well of course hi (laughs) this is Ricky Ricky Green he's from the UK he researches the psychology of conspiracy theories. It's something that I'm very interested in. I think it dovetails with the dark persuasion, um, what they call in the privacy community, dark pattern persuasion that I talk about in my Substack and my podcast, which apparently is ranked 121 in Canada in uh, people and people who talk too much. Anyway, Ricky, talk talk to me about yourself. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, thanks for introducing me. So yeah, I've been studying uh, the psychology of conspiracy theories since my master's. And so I've just finished my PhD uh, last year. But in my master's and my, in my PhD, yeah, I focused on what draws people to conspiracy theories. What, what, what psychology of people makes it more likely for them to be attracted to conspiracy explanations. But yeah, so I finished that last year. And I'm now currently working as a researcher at the same university where I finished my master's and PhD at the University of Kent. We're now focusing on like the consequences of conspiracy theories, you know, for politics, for health related matters, but also more important. Well, sorry, not more importantly, but just we've, we've also focused quite a lot on the consequences to people's relationships as well, which has not been looked at so much in the literature, but you know, there's tons of anecdotal stories and, and I'm sure you may know of some people as well, where it's affecting relationships, basically, you know, people keep going down a rabbit hole. So yeah, that's that's what I'm currently doing. Yeah, I very much look forward to discussing the psychology conspiracy theories with you. But, you know, I'm I'm really glad you said that. I read this Italian study mm-hmm. and we talked about the Italian study. I read the abstract of your study. I'm sorry I didn't buy it, but... I looked at the overview and it's um, really fascinating mm. that you say that there's an anxious type of personality that is tends towards conspiracy theories. You did two studies, mm. one MTurk study, mm. which is a bunch of randos that want to earn extra change. And another group, you had a thesis and you buttressed that by finding, yeah, the more anxious a person is, the more likely mm. They are to believe in conspiracy theories as a comfort. Mm-hmm. So talk. So now I'm talking to you about mm-hmm. your research. Okay, yeah. this is one of my problems in my podcast. I talk too much. So I want to hear from you. What was the first thing that got you interested in this area? Like long ago. Oh, long ago. Well, 
You're yeah. playing soccer, football, as you wrongly call it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, well, so debated, so but, you, yeah. that's what you were doing. And and what yeah. happened? What was the first thing that said, oh, this is weird. Go on. Yeah. Well, um, so I actually like went to university a little bit later on than usual. I started like not, not too late on, but like 24. That's when mm-hmm. I um, decided to go to university and I've been working before that. But my interest in conspiracy theories is personal because I've grown up around them a little bit, you know, like um, a lot of my friends were really into them a lot. And, you know, I used to watch some of the videos with them, you know, before I was studying and, you know, like for entertainment reasons mainly. And, and that's actually another thing I can talk about later because that's another reason why people look into them. It's just, there's an entertainment factor to them. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who, okay. Alex Jones, hideous mm. person, but by mm. God, He's mm-hmm. a talented presenter. Mm-hmm. The freaking frogs are gay, you mm-hmm. know, and he's entertaining. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm sorry, interrupting. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's Take fine. it it's away, fine. Ricky. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so, yeah, it was when, um, so I did my undergraduate in psychology, my bachelor's degree. And at that point, you know, I finished that. And I, I, th- at that point, I didn't even know I wanted to continue and become a researcher. So I was still trying to find my way. But then when I decided that, yeah, I do want to, do you want to continue this? And I started thinking, right, I need to specialize in a topic. So I started looking around. And then that's when I found um, Professor Karen Douglas. And that's who, I'm, that's who I'm working with now. And she was my supervisor during my master's and PhD. And she, um, among other things, she really specializes in the psychology conspiracy theories. Well, as soon as I saw that there was actually research on this topic, that was it. I was sold. And it was because of, you know, as I said, I, I know many people that, are believing in them so just find it a really interesting phenomenon to 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 research and to find out why why so many people are, are are believing in conspiracy theories when most of the time the evidence is really stacked against them you know why do people persist and, and care and believe in so yeah that was the reason i got into trying to find out why people join into them yeah just to just to figure out why 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 do my friends believe in them <laughs> why 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 would they learn okay <laughs> So you talk about attachment style and mm. that psychological needs are addressed and mm. it can't be a surprise with the global pandemic and the measures taken to contain the global mm-hmm. pandemic that people's anxiety was on the rise, their fear, mm-hmm. their fear of the yeah. unknown and how conspiracy theories really trying to make you feel like you've got some control mm-hmm. and those smarty pants don't always know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. But occasionally, my dear Ricky, conspiracy mm. theories are true. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when, when we're going into this research, like we're mainly just, the conspiracy theories that we'll mainly be looking at are, are ones of great interest, you know, like why people believe in COVID-19 conspiracy theories, why, believe, why people believe that climate change is a hoax. You know, the, for them, conspiracy theories, the evidence is massively stacked against the, the, the conspiracy theories that tend to be mainly false, right? Um, but yeah, of course, there are conspiracy theories that do become true, like Watergate. Before that was, before that actually came out, that it was a true thing. It was a conspiracy theory before that. And people talked about that as if it was a conspiracy theory. Oh, oh and the out. lab leak from Wuhan, China. I did a whole mm. thing about that. Mm-hmm. It's, um, okay, I don't know. I, I don't know. I can't read your face. Are you like... Mm-hmm. Oh God, no, no, she's one of those people. I stepped into a trap. I, I, I <laughs> but I mean, initially, and I wrote about this on my uh-huh. very small blog that initially you were roundly denounced 
mm-hmm. as a conspiracy theorist mm-hmm. and a racist. If you said, oh, and crazy. If you said, hey, that uh, that virus may have come from a lab <clears throat> leak in China. Yeah. Well, I, I remember, I, I don't know the actual conclusion from that, like whether COVID-19 actually started from a lab in Wuhan, um, but it was always a work in theory, even an official work in theory. It was never like, like renounced or, or or denied totally. It was part of investigations into looking at how did COVID-19 begin. And I still don't know whether it's whether, what the conclusion is of where it began. I don't know if there is any definitive No, there conclusion. isn't. That's the yeah, conclusion. So, we can't yeah. know. Well, this this is the thing. So like, yeah, there's, there's a chance that it may have come from um, a lab in Wuhan, but it depends on how you think that it came about. Did it Was it maliciously released from the lab? Was it uh, unintentionally released from the lab? And depending on like maybe your school of thought, like maybe, you know, right. if you're a really high level conspiracy believer, then you may think, well, it was maliciously released from that lab. Yeah, that, um, they wanted to kill all their own people. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Who's going to be in the army if they're all dead? Nobody. Well, like, yeah. you know, I'm I mean, sorry. I'm just getting yeah. a little real politic here, but <laughs> no, you know, right. it's lo- absurd. Yeah. Uh-huh. A, lot of, a lot of the the things are absurd from conspiracy theories that if they were actually to be true, then it would mean like, I don't know, end of society, which is yeah. just, it's just, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah. Unless like, unless like some, you know, tragic does actually happen that affects society a lot. But the way that conspiracy theories talk is that there's this impeding, you know, doom and total control, totalitarian control come in and, and things like that. But so a lot of, COVID-19 conspiracy theorists would say that, oh, this is a ploy to now have full control of us. You know, we're locked down and everything like that. And and if if COVID-19 was released for these things to happen on a permanent basis, then why have they been undone? You know, countries, governments and populations, I mean, most lockdown restrictions, I mean, in the UK anyway, it's like there isn't any restrictions anymore, as far as I'm aware. And restrictions are coming down all across the, all world. the world. So, So it's not like... I mean, if the argument was, oh, it's here so that they can have control over us. Well, that that control was only temporary and it was just a temporary measure to try and, you know, combat COVID-19. Yeah. So the psychological underpinnings of mm. you, I'm going to say using conspiracy theories as a comfort because uh-huh. yeah, um, that's sense. what's happening is anxiousness. <clears throat> and you talk about it in attachment style. Mm. And an insecure attachment style. I want to ask you, I am in communication with Alexandra Stein. And I, I have it camped out on her doorstep. But by God, she's going to be on this, this podcast. Mm-hmm. Have you heard, you've heard of Alexandra Stein. Uh, and her, familiar. Okay, she talks yeah. about cults. So she's really okay. not in the conspiracy space. And mm-hmm. I understand that. But she talks about attachment as well in coercive control and that would be abusive relationships where the source of fear is also the source of security Mm -hmm. and so do you think that might have something to do with the psychology of leaving a conspiracy theories where the source Mm -hmm. of fear i.e and i'm going to speak from an american context like fema Oh, you know, those people who go in and save lives and rebuild towns after major disasters like floods and hurricanes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, they're mm-hmm. part of a conspiracy to blah, 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 blah. And I don't even know yeah. and I don't care that a disorganized it- attachment, I think she calls it, 
And okay. do you find that the people who are frightened by, say, FEMA yeah. are also comforted mm -hmm. by the thought of it? I mean, what, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. And I, yeah, I, don't, I haven't read the paper or too much, but just from what you're saying, so that disorganized attachment style is, is different to an anxious attachment style. Yes. Because there's, in the literature, there's four main like attachment styles that are quite widely agreed upon. So you have a secure attachment style. Mm -hmm. And that means that you, you know, you have positive views about yourself. You know, you feel content with yourself, but you also have positive views of others. So you're secure, you know, and you don't worry that others are going to, you know, treat you badly because you've had a, a history of successful relationships. Like mainly, you know, during okay, the Okay, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you right there. I did court-appointed mm -hmm. work in the District of Columbia, and I did mm -hmm. represent seriously mentally ill people, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they are very secure. And I say mm -hmm. that's one of the big things that um, characterizes someone who is very, very mentally ill is yeah. that... They're very confident. They're not mm -hmm. worried at all. Um, yeah, well, so, 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 but, okay, but, so okay. So, you know, and I'm just going to say in advance, mm -hmm. I don't know anything. You know mm -hmm. more than me. So I always invite people who know more than me. Mm -hmm. I don't know, because I'm a nut, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, no. I mean, um, so basically there is a, there is, so there is the secure attachment style, but there's also an anxious attachment style. And but there's an avoidant attachment style as well. And, because that's where you can seem secure when you're having avoidant attachment style because you are you are positive with yourself you feel good with yourself but you just feel negative about other people so sometimes and and these uh, people with avoidant attachment can styles can sometimes come across like secure because they're content with themselves it's just that they have distrust of others if, if that makes sense that yeah. makes perfect sense yeah but the disorganized attachment style which you was talking about earlier is basically when you're you you're high anxious and high avoidant so you so so you have so you're not happy with yourself but you're also not happy with other people it's kind of like yeah the more the attachment style that has more like negative outcomes you know for for the people that have these attachment styles because they, they don't like they don't like themselves as much and they don't like others so they're just you know and 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 i'm trying to you was, was you saying that this is what this other cult researcher found that draws people to cults like people who have disorganized um, styles that it is induced by a process mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's the same thing in um, any coercive control relationship including abusive relationships mm. some gangs i had a gang expert on here who really educated me oh my god mm -hmm. that was a very good discussion what happens is isolation so you don't have a frame of reference cutting you off from balancing influences in your life, mm -hmm. um, breaking down your cognitive processes. Mm -hmm. It is called the amygdala hijack mm -hmm. in cult research. I had someone on here who doesn't believe in that, and he made me look like a fool, but it's where you overload the amygdala with too much stimulation, and then the higher reasoning doesn't kick in. Mm -hmm. Okay. That that's why uh, people in cults can believe all these insane things, mm -hmm. and so it's a process of breaking down and creating the attachment. I mean, the disordered attachment. Okay, I see. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So well, it really can happen to anybody. It's also brainwashing, if you want to call it. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No. No. Well, I was just going to explain. Uh, yeah, about how 
the processes of why attachment anxiety might, you know, uh, it predicts conspiracy belief in people with attachment anxiety. So for people who have an attachment anxiety, they, as I said, so I sorry, I didn't say this. So they're like the opposite to an avoidant attachment style. People with an anxious attachment style feel negative about themselves, but they generally do feel good about others and they want relationships, but they fear that they're not good enough for relationships. So they tend to do things to to get support because this is they feel this is them a way of getting attention and support from significant others who they think might not be there for them. They they tend to catastrophize. They tend to any issues that are going on, they make them seem much worse than than what they are in order to get the attention of, you know, family, friends or partners. If they if they don't make things seem really bad, then they feel like that no one's going to come to their aid, their you know, to their give them attention. So yeah, so that's why before we set out to do the studies, why we predicted that maybe people with attachment anxiety might be drawn to conspiracy theories, because conspiracy theories are a way of catastrophizing about the world, you know, and about saying, hey, look, look at this, uh, look at this big issue in the world. Let's talk about it, you know, and, and then they can draw comfort possibly from their partners or friends by talking about this, you know, catastrophizing uh, view of the world. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the Italian study. Okay. Um, I, I, I read, I even mm-hmm. contacted him and he hasn't responded yet. So clearly I need to like, you know, I don't know, camp mm-hmm. out on his doorstep, mm-hmm. but um, the Italian study was done. And I'm just saying this, I know, you know, this after COVID-19, because there was a marked increase in conspiracy theories and belief in conspiracy theories after you know, related to COVID-19, and they said, hey, let's study this. Was that, that paper was done in 2018, though, if it's the same paper we're talking about? Because um, the one that I sent you is from 2018, I believe. I read him talking about COVID-19. Oh. And so maybe I'm conflating the two, like I read him and then I didn't read his study well enough. That's uh-huh, entirely uh-huh. possible. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I do dumb things. Think, uh, yeah, no, because the the avoidant attachment paper with conspiracy theories, uh, it literally it got published like a month after my one got published, and that was in 2018. So yeah, I'm not. I don't remember him talking about. Well, I'm pretty sure I didn't talk about COVID nineteen in that paper. No, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna guess you didn't. Okay. Yeah. Now, what I I want to say. Let's talk about the substance aside from me being yeah. an idiot. Um, the the substance is he said that the more you go into the belief of conspiracy theories, accepting them, Mm -hmm. that the less you trust the people close to you. And you seem to have found the opposite. Yes. Okay. Well, that, well, so yeah, we found the opposite findings basically. So in their study, they found avoidant attachment to be more associated with conspiracy belief. But in, in my studies, we found attachment anxiety to predict conspiracy belief. So they are contradictory findings. But, well, there's a big difference between them two studies is that this paper was in Italy. So it's with an Italian demographic. And okay. then mine is in UK and US. So it's more, yeah, like we've got similar like demographics, but although How we're both ethnocentric like, of me. <laughs> how ethnocentric well, of me oh, what of do you course mean, yeah well i think because one of the things i was thinking about it could be like there may be different 
predominant attachment styles in each of these countries. I, I haven't mm-hmm. looked into it exactly, but, you know, there's different child rearing practices maybe that then create different types of attachment, predominant attachment styles in a, in a country. It's quite hard to explain why they didn't find, I mean, in their studies, they also found attachment anxiety to be associated with conspiracy right. belief, but they just found attachment avoidance to be the stronger predictor of the two. But like in, so in that master's work that you've, that you've read uh, or that you had a look at, it, it has two studies. So in my PhD, I continued that work and we ran, we got like another 10 studies and each time attachment anxiety predicts conspiracy belief over avoidant attachment. So it's quite, okay. I think it might possibly be like an Italian specific, right. you know, finding, because I can't quite understand as well why we find these differences, you know, uh, other than okay, the fact that, you know, that, of course, that, that makes perfect sense, yeah, you know, yeah. all right. Now, something I've observed about conspiracy theories is mm-hmm. I think that when horrible things happen, that people would rather believe it was deliberate than believe that something so out of control could happen mm-hmm. and that it's too scary to think something like that could take place. It's too scary to think mm-hmm. that two planes could just crash into the world trade center. Mm-hmm. Never mind that not that long ago, some German decided to fly a plane into red square while the Soviet Union just landed right in Red Square. He did that like during the Soviet Union era. You can imagine how that went over. Mm. So it is possible. And it's been, but when it happened to us, it was just too scary. So people Mm. would rather believe that there were crisis actors Mm -hmm. than believe all these kids were killed in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, like you, a you touch- security blanket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you touched on that quite well, actually. That's kind of one of the, like the really early, one of the really earliest findings that we found is that, so, you know, so I've been looking at attachment anxiety, but there's, that's like a specific type of anxiety, but also general anxiety has been shown to, to be associated with conspiracy belief, feelings of powerlessness, you know, uncertainty draws people to conspiracy theories. And as you said, like it kind of, because if they didn't know what the answer was to the to the big issue that's happened, then that, that's kind of scary in itself. So just it is comforting to to go, oh, I know, you know, what's happened, and and it gives you a little bit of control over the situation because you feel like you have the knowledge, you know, you know what went down, and that in itself is yeah a bit more comforting than realizing that the world is random and these things do happen you know, these unfortunate and horrible things do happen in the world. I guess it brings like, yeah, more comfort to people to think that there's plans to it. It's planned, you know, and it's all meant to happen as opposed to just being random. Yeah. And that touches on like, basically, this is like the existential motive to believe in conspiracy theories. So if you these threats that happen all around us, for some people, not all, some people have but different ways that they, everyone's got different psychology and different ways of dealing with stress and um, uncertainty and things like that but for some people who are prone to be anxious who are prone to feel powerless these explanations they're argued to bring some comfort but it that, that doesn't necessarily happen by the way and also it's important to know as well that people are drawn to them like subconsciously if that makes sense so they don't say to themselves right oh i believe in that <laughs> 
Yeah, I believe in that conspiracy theory, and therefore I now feel better. That's why I believe in it. It's not like that. It's just that for some people, that just seems to be the way to bring some comfort. But there was actually a, a really important study, actually, because that's always been the question. It's always been the what researchers are agreeing on at the moment is that people are drawn to conspiracy theories as a way to satisfy psychological needs that have been thwarted or upset, like for existential uh, crisis, uh, like 9-11 or, or the school shootings and things like that. But the question is like, okay, so if people are drawn to them as a way of to feel comfort and, and to make them maybe feel a little bit better, but do, do they make them feel better? And and, that, and just recently, that's just been answered in a, a longitudinal study. And what that means is, is that they've collected data at one point, then asked the questions again with the same people at another point, and then at another point, and that's longitudinal research. So then we can right. find out if, if there's changes in, in these people's responses and if there's changes in their psychology, does that then affect things later down the line? And so they, they measured like belief in conspiracy theories and feelings of anxiety, feelings of uh, uncertainty. And they found that anxiety and uncertainty predict conspiracy belief. But what importantly, they found that at the second time point, the anxiety scores and uncertainty scores in the first wave of data collection then predicted like higher conspiracy belief in in the next wave and then after that higher conspiracy belief predicts more anxiety and more uncertainty so it doesn't address and that explains the rabbit hole that explains why i'm dubious about this and then Mm -hmm. you start buying into anti-vax and then you go full-blown flat earth like Mm -hmm. there's a there's often an escalation Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. and that would explain why yeah, that, because yeah, because be... what they they are going to is making them more anxious. It's not working. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. Mm. Can an attachment style change? Very slowly. They're very. They're not like they're not easily changeable because these attachment styles tend to be formed quite strongly at a really young age. You know, and 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 an and age where you're like helpless, like when you're actually like a baby as a toddler, and it really it depends on like how the, you know the parenting attachment style then molds the the child's attachment style because depending on whether their needs are met consistently or not, then that child is learning about their environment. You know, like do I always get help when I need it? Yes, I do, and if that's the case, then you're likely going to be secure, uh, securely attached. But if you don't always get that help, in fact, you know, in some cases, childs are neglected and, and not looked after at all. And that's what predominantly creates like an, an avoidant attachment style because that child needs to learn, right, no one comes to my age, you know, no one comes to look after me. So I need to look after myself. You know, that's what tends to create an avoidant attachment style. An anxious attachment style tends to be created by inconsistent caregiving. So sometimes the parents there for them, sometimes not. And because of that inconsistency creates an anxious relationship style because because they've had a taste of what it is to be looked after, but sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. They they want attention, but they what they think it's their problem. Like, is it me? Is it is it is it because of me that I'm not Which is what uh, a child get... would do, right? Yeah, yeah. But then yeah, the disorganized one which you talked about earlier can be created by like usually really bad things that have happened in your childhood you know, like abuse and, and things like that. It can create love. Well, I, there was this um, instance in um, Sarah Lawrence College, a really top-tier college. 
it wasn't a conspiracy, more like human trafficking, cultish. Mm-hmm. This guy got out of prison. His daughter was at Sarah Lawrence. He moves into the dorm. I had to tell you, you know, if a grown man moved into the dorm where I was, mm-hmm. my dad showed up with a baseball bat. I'm like, what are these stupid people doing? But the school didn't do anything. And bit by bit, he sort of took over, basically prostituted one of the girls. These are people with secure, engaged parents. Mm-hmm. young people but they were vulnerable mm-hmm. young people he did all sorts of awful things mm-hmm. um and, and in the end one girl he put a plastic bag over her head until she passed out or something and so that's when she finally had it off and she left um mm-hmm. he was just uh, sentenced to 50 years of prison so it can happen in uh certain circumstances with People with very healthy attachment because they interviewed the parents, mm-hmm. they were at their wits' end, they didn't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. So, so it I can be induced, basically. Yeah, it can be yeah, induced absolutely. through a process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that's why I was saying, you was asking if they can change. I mean, they they can change for sure. Uh, like, but like there there has been again these longitudinal studies which I was talking about. There are some that are gone for years. There was a, a one that was a forty year longitudinal study and this is really cool because they've tracked people for 40 years of age and some of the people in these studies were i think started taking part in the study when they're a child and now they're adults you know what they found is that insecure attachment like whether it's anxious or avoidant it does tend to like get lower so people do become a little bit more secure the older that they get but it's not anything significant so if you are really highly anxious you know from a young age it may drop a a little bit but you may still be quite anxious you know at an older age however there are what i'm talking about is when we're looking at data that involves like a thousand people at a time obviously there are individual cases that uh, that goes against the norm so there are some people like i'm just imagining that there could be a young person maybe 18 or something like that and they've got really insecure attachment style perhaps like they're really anxious but then they find someone who who works really really well for them you know and and looks after them and then actually that could probably change their relationship style if they have a really successful relationship and the other partner knows how to meet their needs and to make them feel secure then yeah there are there i'm sure that there will be some cases where a really insecure person could turn secure or vice versa you know as 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 you exampled earlier maybe someone could be secure but then there's something tragic that happens you know and then that's it and then their then their attachment style is affected and yeah i I, you know i'm only talking from like what i think you know i'm I'm not talking from the research in that particular area because it's more like i've been using attachment styles for my phd and my my master's research but i haven't like now i've been looking at conspiracy theories and other ways without you know attachment styles involved so in recovery programs, there's this saying, if the dog is hungry, feed the dog. If a fear embrace it, um, triggers the comfort of conspiracy theories, even though it's not a comfort, what would alleviate them? Like, what factors provide that comfort? Like, what would you do? So do you mean for someone who's, like, believing in conspiracy theories? Like, Yeah, uh- like, well, look friend of someone who's believing yeah. in well, this is, the family this is, it's like yeah. because a lot of times they get cut off and 
I would imagine not knowing my family is not like this, but I would imagine saying, wow, COVID's over. It's okay. We're all going to be fine now. Like that would Mm -hmm. lead to a lessening of anxiety. Okay. I see you smiling. So I'm like, is this off the rails? No, 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 absolutely not. Like, the reason I'm smiling is because the question is a very important question. Like, you know, how can we, especially for people, for people that are important to you, like, how do you stop them going down this rabbit hole? And, and as you know, it can really consume people's lives, you know, not everyone, but some people can just be really drawn into them and it can affect them. And uh, as, as, as I stated earlier, it can make them feel more anxious and more uncertain about the world. So yeah, it's an important question. It does need to be addressed. It's just not being addressed in the literature at the moment. Like, cause mm-hmm. It's only in the last like 20 years as the research in on the psychology conspiracy theories exploded. Well, especially like I think after 9-11, it really grew. Before that, previous 10 years before that, it was bubbling, you know. And now there's lots and lots of, re- lots and lots of research. There's predominantly been concerned with why people believe in them. And as of more lately, it's concerned with what are the consequences of believing in them. So now we're understanding that there's lots of negative consequences, like less people are likely to care about climate change if they believe in conspiracy theories, like all want to get vaccinated and things like that. And also more recently. Political. Mm-hmm. But Political. Con- That's why they're yeah, worried but- about it now. Those people yeah. are going out and voting. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And also if you think of like what happened on January the 6th, I think, was it last yeah. year or the year before that? was you know partly driven by conspiracy theory so there's right. these real world consequences that happen so that's where we're at the moment but there's less there's a lot less research on like the intervention side of things because and i think it makes sense because that's the progress of the research where we're at why do people believe in them are there negative consequences yes there are okay so how do we how do we try and intervene and i think that's where we're at now we're still looking at the consequences and conspiracy theories but the intervention side of things is is quite lacking at the moment. I think it, and I think it's partly because it is a very difficult thing to do. No, like you know, if you think of people who are really into conspiracy theories, I don't know if you've uh, have an examples yourself, but trying to you know trying to tell them that what they believe in isn't true is very difficult, or you think that it isn't true is a very difficult thing to do. They could create arguments with, it would, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, so. Just by going what we do know, like in, in the re- in the research and what we have talked about so far here, is that people are drawn to them for anxiety reasons and uncertainty or they feel powerless. Like they feel like they can't make any change in society or they feel like they can't make any change in their personal life. Well, I think a good start would be to try and help your friend or family member address these issues without having to, to go to conspiracy theories. Well, so it's um, not about the content. I well, mean, it's not yeah, about but... the, the content. Like, that's what people try to do. I present evidence. I am logical. But it's it's not about the content. It's about the feelings underneath. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just like one idea that I have in mind. If people's needs were met and they felt satisfied with life, they're less likely to be drawn to conspiracy theories because they don't need to find some other explanation for why, you know, their, their life isn't great or or something like that. So that that would be the ideal way is, you know, making people feel more secure, uh, making them feel more in control of their lives. But obviously that's not easy, easily done. We all have our own lives to worry about and look after. So it's difficult to try and help someone else's life out. 
unless you are committed to, to do that, then that's a good thing. But you can, I mean, if you are going to talk about the actual content of the conspiracy theories, yeah, don't just like flat out like deny and just leave it there. Like you want to maybe slowly approach the idea that they're wrong. Maybe ask for their sources that they use, you know, like show me the videos that you're watching that that explains these things. And then you can maybe look into where them videos have come from yourself and maybe explain why you don't think that these are credible sources. Again, that's, that's all staying in the content. Mm. You're addressing the content, which is not the issue. The issue is the fear. So you yeah. alleviate the fear. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what I was trying to, sorry, get at before that bit was you know, we can make people feel secure and in control. And what I meant by that is make them less fearful, you know, of the world. Because if people aren't, if people are not in control of their lives or they feel like they're not in control and, and they don't feel secure, then that is fearful, right? So if we can address those, those issues potentially, like that's like something that I want to look at myself is to see whether, you know, making people feel more secure if it can decrease conspiracy belief over time. You know, that's a potential now, study. Now, I'm going to throw this in here. This is total mm-hmm. left field, mm-hmm. but I have a wide ranging topic area. A lot of our economy is based on consumer spending. Fear is used to induce consumer spending. Fear, um, your breath smells. Fear, you know, like I, I grew up long before you. And there were TV commercials where you walk in the elevator and everybody's going, ew, stinky, stinky. And you don't know it. You don't want that to be you. Buy Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. So we've got a whole fear-based economy. I mean, Mm -hmm. fear that your clothes aren't right. Fear that you're driving a car that will kill us all. Or fear that you'll get in a car accident and, or fear that your neighbors will think you're poor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so we've got a whole advertising and persuasion economy based on fear. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about that? I'm, I'm not sure how, how, how you link in this. Cause you, yeah, you're thrown out there in the context of conspiracy theories. And, well, yeah. And- I mean, it's all about fear. Uh-huh. Like, you know, fear is used to sell products. Okay. So we already have an infrastructure of sowing fear to get mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. to spend money to keep the economy going because we're a consumer economy. Uh-huh. And, and so that I don't, I don't think that it's that far off to say, let me sell the fear of Let's use the fear to say, you know, the Martians created COVID-19. Like, you see what I mean? Like, we've already got a whole infrastructure of fear in the United States. Before that, it was Mm -hmm. the Cold War. We Mm -hmm. had like an infrastructure of fear, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and then when when that ended, they had to switch to something. So we, for decades, have had like the fear of nuclear war. Now we've got, yeah. we're in denial now, but pretty soon we're going to have the fear of nuclear war again. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Tell me, tell me your thoughts on that. I know this is fishing in another <laughs> pond. But yeah. I mean, well, and, and, and the only thing, well, the only thing I think of from what you're saying is that, um, yeah, for sure, conspiracy theories like are built around fear. Like if, if that's, if you're talking about how they're, proliferated like online and and how they get such spread and and reach then 
for sure. Like tons it's how of people make money on conspiracy. Yeah, theories. yeah, absolutely. So there's a term for like Alex Joneses and and people like him, like conspiracy entrepreneurs. He's just making money out of conspiracy theories, it seems. And um, for sure, I lots of his conspiracy theories put the fear in people, right? The way he screams as well, and he's and he talks about like you know the impeding total control that U.S. government the lizard people. Yeah, that yeah, for sure. I'm pretty sure he would be aware that fear is a selling point for his audience. You know, the mainly conspiracy theorists that are deep, diving deeper into the rabbit hole. That with the more conspiracy theories that Alex Jones is is putting out there, create more fear, more reason to to look into his content and buy whatever stuff that he's selling on on that site. Supplements. Yeah. He's, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I think that maybe like the conspiracy entrepreneurs possibly are using these same oldish like advertising tactics of putting fear into people and, and getting them to indulge into what they're saying. Yeah. Okay. You've talked a little bit about how attachment styles develop. I mm-hmm. think that's really informative. So can you talk about really funny conspiracy theories in history because you know i'm of the belief we humans Mm -hmm. are kind of stupid Mm -hmm. i think we're stupid we're silly we do dumb stuff all the time Mm -hmm. and so i like to relieve fear in my 44 readers Mm -hmm. by making fun of humans and instead Mm -hmm. of saying oh this is the worst time ever you know Mm -hmm. it isn't the worst time ever it was like Mm -hmm. a a little over a hundred years ago, really educated, smart people were putting together task forces on vampires. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell me some really good ones, some really stupid crap that human beings believed uh, in the past. Okay. Just so everybody uh, could feel better about themselves. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, so these are not so much like these do feed into conspiracy theories, but you know, like technological advances people have been scared of like technological advances throughout well you know technology is always increasing and progressing so like after the industrial revolution you know like this is quite it scares quite a lot of people there's a lot of power structure changes technological progress just went crazy fast after then so these changes like do scare people but sometimes there are rational reasons behind them it means that there's whole changes of job industries you know some jobs become obsolete because new jobs are coming in so people do fear yeah um, i'm worried about that chat bot yeah that could replace us podcasters yeah 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 Go ahead. yeah and same as me it can also replace <laughs> me as a re as a researcher apparently no it is no. not no, so you can actually get it to do a lot, create study ideas, write papers and stuff. It's quite scary, actually. <laughs> but this is the thing. These are, these are the fears, these new technologies. People, you know, have these worries. So I think that when a printing press came out, there's lots of people are really scared that too many people are going to read. <laughs> For one, like there's like reading was going to be bad. But then once reading was acceptable and everyone was fine with that as history, as time went on, and then like radio started to come out and then people are fearful of the radio because then they stopped reading. So before they're worried that they're going to be reading. And now like reading's fine, like books are all over the place. And then the radio comes out and now people are worried that that's going to stop people reading. And then it just goes into a cycle because I think television then came out like some years after that and people were scared of that as well, you know, what it's going to do to, to families. And, and there's been no evidence. There's been research and all of these things and they don't, they've never 
like the the negative effects that were always posed you know like oh these are the bad things that are going to happen and the bad things that they didn't happen you know and it's just people are just fearful of these new changes even a bicycle i think before it, if i remember reading correctly like before the bicycle was invented when it was invented people were scared of it thinking it's, it's too wild to be going at a speed you know on a bike it's gonna be bad for people but people just have these unfounded fears of new technology basically which which i always find interesting okay um, okay yeah tell me the weirdest conspiracy theory you've ever heard I mean, apart from the in lizard, history, this is actually more of a recent one. And I don't know if it's got like millions of believers, but have you heard that birds are not real? Oh, yes, that's right. It was uh, <laughs> that was like a it wasn't that like a young person joke on old people yeah. like me. That was like a joke on boomers. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the thing is, though, it's got such amount of spread now. I mean, there's probably a lot of people that believe in it. Ironically, just the way the conspiracy theory spread, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there's quite a few people that think birds aren't real and and one thing that i like about that conspiracy theory is that is how do these so they're so they're government surveillance drones right these birds, <laughs> that's what they are so they're not... before we had drone technology what were they uh, yeah well <laughs> I, I, there was no birds before then uh, maybe wow. but like and do you know how they get charged because they're flying around all day and they need they sit on power. the electric wires they sit on the electric lines yeah <laughs> that's why all the birds are there because they're just getting charged up so yeah okay there you go you win the prize <laughs> cheers that's us yeah. right up there with the vampires so uh-huh. look okay. it has been great talking to you mm-hmm. i wanted a space for you to just say whatever out of our whole conversation mm-hmm. what's one crazy wild thought eat your weedies anything let it out ricky well, I mean, just keeping on the topic of conspiracy theories. And You're such an academic. I know. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I know. And, and it's also a little bit of a boring one. So I was just going to ask people, just be very mindful of the content that you read in. It's quite easy to, a lot of videos seem convincing, but really look into the source of the videos you're looking at. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was trying to think of something funny that I could say about Kana. <laughs> But yeah. no, no, don't. You are what you're, you're, you're a studious guy. That's, that's <laughs> why you're here, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm really glad you are. Thank you, Ricky, for doing cool. this. No worries. Thank you so you much know, for inviting me. We're like, mm. what, 112th in Canada for mm. people that talk about random things. So I appreciate you being here. Now tell us anything you want people to know, your bio and blog. Yeah, sure. You can quite easily Google me and then you can see the institution that I'm working at, University of Kent. So if you look up Ricky Green, University of Kent, and you can also see that I'm working on a a big research grant at the moment with Professor Karen Douglas. It's called Conspiracy FX. I'm on there for another four years and we're just looking at the consequences of conspiracy theories. And and this is what I could have said earlier, actually, is check out our conspiracy generator. So we created this like... Oh, my God. Because what oh, my we God. Okay, show... like, I'm going to cut this out and put it at the beginning. Conspiracy okay. generator? I love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's a few ingredients that you need for a conspiracy theory to create one. And you need protagonists, so who did it, and action, you know, what did they do, and a motive, why did they do it? So basically, if you search conspiracy generator Kent, I believe that you would find it on Google first link. And there you can just, it just, it just gives you a random conspiracy theory popped up from a database of, of different protagonists, different actions and different motives. So you can go ahead and, and like create your own conspiracy theory. Colonel Mustard in the library yeah. with the candlestick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar. Yeah. The text, the options that we have in there, they, they will randomly generate and it, you'll just find some bizarre 
conspiracy theories that have just been made up. But it's just to kind of show like how easy it is to create a conspiracy theory, you know, because there tends to be just lots of conspiracy theories that are coming out, especially because of COVID-19 that really increased all different types of conspiracy theories. Have a little go on that and you can have some fun there. And you can learn more about the research project that I've been on as well. Well, of course. (laughs) <laughs> thank you ricky for your time thank you and this has yeah. been very enjoyable and very informative yeah yeah cheers take care bye and that is the tell with christine Axsmith for this podcast i hope you really enjoyed it i did i'll talk to you later bye don't forget to go to christineaxsmith.substack.com where i write two articles a week post pictures and drop an occasional podcast bye